I'm Jason Van Metting. And I'm Ksenia Chmutina. Welcome to Disasters Deconstructed Podcast. Well, I think you can all hear it's Christmas episode. Yay. Christmas episode. Da, da, da. Christmas 2020. Amazing. So, Jason, um, straight with, with the fact, really interesting fact for you. So, okay. did you know that on average, a panda feeds for approximately 12 hours per day? <laughs> and this is the same as an adult at home under quarantine, which is why we call it a pandemic. Wow, that's quite a opening. Thank you oh, for that information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, to- totally true, right? Totally true. Totally true. Absolutely. Only factual information on this podcast every mm. time. <laughs> well, welcome everybody to our special Christmas episode 2020. Um, it's been an eventful year. I was listening back to the episode last year and we were like so hopeful and and happy and um 2020 has kind of thrown a lot of stuff at us hasn't it yeah i mean we're still hopeful and and (laughs) somewhat happy i was you know i was revisiting our um new year or kind of festive wishes to each other Uh and i think you told yeah you told me to like you know not say yes to stuff so i i would love to report that i have completely failed at that um i will try harder in 2021 um, but you, however, succeeded mm, somewhat. I mean, half of the <laughs> half, half of the wish, right? Uh, you've succeeded. You've definitely read more. Um, I still insist on fiction, however. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I did succeed to some degree. Still, majority mm. of my reading is definitely nonfiction. Mm-hmm. But I tried. I tried. And you kind of remind me quite frequently that I need to do better, <laughs> right? Yeah, like frequently daily. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, on your resolution, I think you might have taken on more responsibilities this year than before. So you might have <laughs> gone in the wrong direction. I'm sorry. I'll try better next time. However, you didn't do any non-essential travel because you didn't get to do travel. <laughs> Literally none. Um, yeah, which was really strange. Uh, I think it was strange for many of us, right? Because um, yeah. so many of our friends and colleagues, we 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 are very privileged we've, we've been in a very privileged position of kind of traveling mm. um and this year has been very different um and i i still don't know how i feel about it it's been nice being at home uh, but at the same time i realized that a lot of my inspiration comes from people who i meet it's true hopefully 2021 is going to turn things around with regards to covid and we I think I think some things are going to be different moving ahead and maybe mm. travel is going to look a bit different how we do our research and um conferences and stuff are definitely going to have more virtual options so for me that's kind of a good thing I I um sometimes travel too much during the year Yeah yeah but you know one of the things I guess we've been like talking quite a lot about with friends and family is this whole issue of Christmas right this year that people um, shouldn't really be traveling for mm. <laughs> obvious reasons. So I, uh, but in, in the UK, there's been a lot of narrative in like how, how we cannot cancel Christmas. You know, <laughs> it is the ultimate 
a holiday, which, mm-hmm. um, well, you, you know my opinion on that. But anyway, so I was very interested in this um, canceling the Christmas situation. And so I, I did some digging, I did some research. Okay. And apparently, apparently over the centuries, the authorities have tried their best uh, to kind of to cancel Christmas, right? Um, and just crack down on Christmas uh, debauchery. With and which authorities? Wow, this is what I'm going to tell you, right? Okay. So in 1445, Charles VII of France, mm-hmm. he actually issued the decree against priests. Um, so, you know, they wouldn't kind of um, run the spectacles and mockeries because this is what uh, Christmas was all about, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you were allowed to sort of to play. And then, of course, most famously, in the 1644, the English Parliament, um, presided over by Oliver Cromwell, um, they've decided to completely abo- abolish Christmas. Um, and also, you know, they decided to abolish Easter and Whitsun. And Parliament reckoned that um, since people clearly, you know, weren't going to celebrate with a period of ki- quiet contemplation, they shouldn't celebrate at all. So, you know, if you can't, if you can't behave, uh, <laughs> then that, that is it. We will force um, wow. you not to have festivities. And then uh, what happened basically is that they've discovered that Christmas is somewhat uncancelable. And despite their, like, their best efforts, mm-hmm. um, people still managed to just like go and party and it ended up being worse than, you know, it ever been. And so um, they had to cancel the cancellation and um, go back to celebrating Christmas. And then um, there was also an attempt during the French Revolution by French revolutionaries um, in the late, in, so in 1789. Um, uh, and the, basically Christians themselves were <laughs> the biggest killjoys. <laughs> yeah. They decided to sort of cancel Christmas um, and they called it um, instead the, de- the, the day of the dog. And so that didn't work out <laughs> either. Um, although they, you know, they even changed the name. And then of course, Stalin tried to do the same mm. um, and he kind of completely Christmas canceled Christmas. And that was um, somewhat a little bit more successful in that in Russia, we still celebrate New Year more than Christmas. Mm. Um, but yeah, even, even that, because he didn't want to have the Christmas tree and exchange presents and all that, all that, you know, it wasn't a very proletarian thing to do. Um, but yeah, it didn't work out. So basically, I don't, uh, no matter what, I think um, this obsession with <laughs> festivities uh, somewhat persists. Wow. That's crazy. And I guess in in the US, it's like a political thing too, you know? And so a lot of people will um, claim that like liberals are trying to take Christ out of Christmas, right? And stuff like that. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a, a cultural theme as well here. Um, mm. the, th- the threat of canceling Christmas, right? Or changing it or making it like Xmas or, you know, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. yeah. People get pretty touchy about it. Oh, really? Yeah, because they want to ret- retain the the religious aspect. Ah, oh. mm. <laughs> mm. I I, sh- I shall watch my spelling. Seriously, like I remember growing up as a kid, and um, if if we came across like signs that said Xmas, <laughs> um, that was like super offensive because it's like oh, oh they're, wow. they're trying to take Christ out of Christmas. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. Yeah. I mean, have you just been going around defending everybody? Um, I have done. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even 
um, not that I don't celebrate. Um, I accept presents on the 25th of December yeah. and I do give presents as well. But the, the Christmas that Russian Orthodox Church celebrates is, um, 7th of January. And, you know, again, mm. it's, it's not like a religious holiday for us, but we would always have like dinner, you know? Okay. Um, and so we can't even agree when, on, on the day of birth, right? Of Jesus. So how it's celebrated, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, my turn. So, okay. I wonder. Well, first, I want to ask you if you know about <laughs> this. Did you know that Kropotkin was interested in Christmas? <laughs> no. Wow. Okay, I did not expect to hear to hear Kropotkin's name on this podcast. Okay, uh, so the anarchist theorist Kropotkin was very interested yeah. in Christmas, and so you you probably. Um, will be familiar of some of these things, but I found an article in Open Democracy about this, and it's called Anarchist Guide to Christmas. And um, so in Russian culture, St. Nicholas was revered as defender of the oppressed, weak, and disadvantaged, right? And Kropotkin was obviously um, liked those sort of sentiments and shared those sentiments. And he also had a family link, and his ancestry was to the ancient Rurik dynasty. And so... They found some like uh, sources, like his his notebooks and stuff, talking about Christmas, which is really interesting. And he was he also felt that he had a striking physical similarity between himself and the figure of Father Christmas. <laughs> he so does. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> and so, so the article says, Kropotkin was not quite so portly as Klaus. But with the cushion stuffed up his tunic, he felt he could pass. Um, his friend, Elise Recluse, advised him to drop the fur trim on the outfit. That was also a good idea as it would allow him to wear a bit more black with the red. He decided to follow Elise's advice on the reindeer too and use a hand-driven sleigh. <laughs> he wasn't normally given to dressing up, but exploiting the resemblance to spread the anarchist message was excellent propaganda. Again, okay, on the edge of one of his notebooks, he writes, infiltrate the stores, give away the toys. <laughs> <laughs> on the, the back of a postcard, it says, on the night before Christmas, we'll all be about. While the people are sleeping, we'll realize our clout. We'll expropriate goods from the stores, because that's fair, and distribute them widely to those who need care. <laughs> so good, that's right? That's so, so good. good. And that sounds like a kind of postcard I send to you for Christmas, usually. <laughs> He goes on in his notebook and he says, if you're one of us, you'll realize that the magic of Christmas depends on Father Christmas's system of production, not the store's attempts to seduce you to consume useless luxuries. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. This gonna, is the best Christmas story. I'm going to send you this, this um, article and share it in the show notes as well, because... Um, it's too good. It's a great... It's, it's, a, it's quite a long article, but... Um, so good and it talks just about his like how he really appreciated a lot of the tradition and the message because it was getting to some of the core issues that he cared about as an anarchist you know i you just reminded me of something um and i'm, I'm just going to talk 
to talk about this now absolutely randomly. So, you know, in Russia, we, we don't have like Santa Claus, right? Mm. So the, 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 the figure, um, the key figure who brings present, he's called Dead Maros, which is mm-hmm. like grand, Grandfather Frost. Okay. Uh, and yeah, Kropotkin looks absolutely like Grandfather Frost. <laughs> um, but the story of Dead Maros is, well, you know, Grandfather Frost is really quite interesting because the, the, obviously the religious connotation needed to be taken out, right, during Soviet times. Yeah. And so he was absolutely fictionalized. And so he comes for the, for the new year. But one of the weirdest things that happens with Dead Maros is that he has a granddaughter, right? And I mm. spent decades of my life trying to figure out where the parents of that girl are, right? And why Grandfather Frost had children at what point. Nobody yeah. knows that. There is like a missing generation. Yeah. Um, and so her, his granddaughter, she's called Snigurechka, uh, which is like a kind of snow maiden. I guess that's probably mm. the best way to translate it. Um, and, you know, so, so they would always come together. But Snigurechka is a really interesting character in that, so she is um, a, a kind of folklore, I guess, a fairy tale ca- character. And the story goes that, um, you know, th- there was an old couple, um, like an o- old woman and um, her husband, and they couldn't have children, but they really wanted to. And so they built um, a, a, a snow figure, right? They built a snow maiden. Um, and because they wanted the child so much, the, the snow maiden, the snow figure turned into a girl, right? And that's how she came to live with them. Oh. Um, and, and they looked after her and, you know, she was lovely and all that, all that. And then, um, her friends invited her to go for a walk when she grew up and, um, on a summer day. And she went for a walk and then they were jumping over the fire and she jumped and evaporated into thin air. Wow. And that was it. It's a very sad Christmas story. Well, it's so interesting how um, we have, there's so many Christmas stories from around the world. Um, yeah. And usually they have some some sort of moral. I think we talked about this mm-hmm. last year as well, and uh-huh. the, dif- the different messages that are being um, put forward at Christmas through stories. Um, and I, I actually have another story that I wanted to share with you from cool. Ireland. As you know, I grew up in Ireland. Yeah. And this is a story by a, well, it's, it's a edited story from John B. Keane. <clears throat> it's called Many Years Ago. I'm just going to read it because it's not too long. Many years ago in our street, there lived an old woman who had but one son. His name was Jack. Jack's father died when the son was no more than a gorsoon. So Jack's mother had to go work to support her son and herself. As Jack grew older, she still went out to work for the simple reason that Jack did not like work. The people in the street used to say that Jack was good for three things. He was good for eating, he was good for smoking, and he was good for drinking. He was also good for leaving. When his mother was too old to work, Jack left for England. Years passed, but the old woman never had a line from her only son. Every Christmas, she would stand inside her window waiting for a card or a letter. She waited in vain. Now it happened that in our street, there was a postman who knew a lot more about his residence than they knew about themselves. When Christmas came, he was waited with bags of letters and parcels. People waited his arrival the way children awaited a bishop on confirmation day. He was not averse to indulging in a drop of the comforts, whenever such comforts were tendered. But comforts or no comforts, the man was always sensitive to the need of others. In his heart resided the spirit of Christmas. Whenever he came to the house where the old woman lived, he would crawl on all fours past the window. He just didn't have the heart to go by and be seen by her. He hated to disappoint people, particularly old people. 
For the whole week before Christmas, she would take up her position behind the curtains, waiting for the letter which never came. Finally, the postman could bear it no longer. On Christmas Eve, he delivered to our house a mixed bunch of cards and letters. Some were from England. He requested one of those envelopes when its contents were removed. He rewrote the name and address and also wrote a short note, which he signed, Your Loving Son, Jack. Then from his pocket, he extracted a 10-shilling note, a considerable sum in those far-off days. He placed the note in the envelope. There was no fear the old woman would notice the handwriting because if Jack was good at some things, he was not good at other things at all, and one of those was writing. In fact, Jack could not write his own name. When the postman came to the old woman's door, he knocked loudly. When she appeared, he put on his best official voice and said, Sign for this, if you please, missus. The old woman signed and opened the envelope. The tears appeared in her eyes, and she cried out loud, I declare to God, but Jack is a scholar. True for you, said the postman, and I dare say he couldn't get in touch with you until you learned to write. I always knew there was good in him, said she. I always knew it. There's good in everyone, missus, said the postman, as he moved on to the next house. The street was not slow in getting the message, and in the next and last post, there was many parcels for the old woman. It was probably the best Christmas the street ever had. I have a game that I want to play. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, yeah, and then I have one for you. Yeah, okay. let's play a game. Let's play, let's game, play a game first. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm we've absolutely been, petrified, I must admit. We've been sharing sad stories. Um, so let's do the game. <laughs> okay. I don't, I'm I don't a know. terrible loser, by the way. I want to warn you. Just okay, wait. I need to come up with a, with a name for my game. Um, I'm going to call it game? really originally... Um, Christmas 2020 true false game. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Okay. True false game. Ready? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm safe. It's true I, false. I game. have 12 questions, and you need to <laughs> you need to say whether they're tw- they're not questions. 12 statements um, <laughs> about tr- Christmas traditions around the world. Okay. And you need right. to say whether they're true or false. Okay. What's the prize? Um. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> cranberry sauce in 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 a can. Yes. Okay, fine. Okay, <laughs> I'll take that. Okay, question one. This is easy. You know this. Okay. For many Japanese, traditional Christmas dinner is Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> can I call a friend? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, the friend is still is sleeping anyway. Um, yes. Good. You got it. Okay. Yeah, because they don't really... The year is bigger in Japan, I think, right? That's so Wes tells me. But also, the um, the kind of myth has spread that the traditional Christmas dinner in the United States is KFC. And so a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people go out and have oh. KFC. Oh, this is great. Okay, yeah. At Japan. Okay. Question two. Norwegian householders hide all their brooms before they go to sleep on Christmas Eve so that witches can't use them. True. Correct. Well done. Yes. Two out of two. Okay. Question three. 100% so far. Question three. In the week leading up to Christmas, Venezuelans attend early morning mass each day, but they can only travel in taxis. Uh, uh, falls. Correct. You did it. Oh, that was a random guess. That was a guess, but you did it. Do you know what 
Do you know what they actually do? They do go to no. early morning mass every day in the week leading to Christmas, but they actually use rollerblades and roller skates. Really? Yeah, not taxes. Why? I need to do more research about that. Okay, <laughs> Okay, question four. You're still, still on full marks. Okay. Question four. In 2019, Jeff Bezos gave all Amazon workers a $10 gift card that could be redeemed if they signed up for Amazon Prime at a discounted rate of $100 a year. I don't want it to be true, but it probably is. <laughs> no, it's false, but I'm glad you guessed true because that's the kind of thing you would do. Right. And I'm so glad it's false. So actually, he did make the news recently because he gave his workers a $10 turkey gift card at Thanksgiving. Um, so Jeff, just pay people better, hey? Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. You got one wrong. Sorry. Question five. But do I still get... But how many do I need to get? You need 10. You need 10. <laughs> you need 10. Okay, 10. Okay. Um, the rules tricky. weren't very clear when we started. Question five. In Austria, men dressed in devil costumes roam the streets carrying chains and a basket for abducting especially bad children and allegedly hauling them to hell. Yeah, of course they do. Okay, it's true. Well done. <laughs> of course they do. Question, question six. In Greenland, you might end up eating kiviak at Christmas, which is made by wrapping an auk, a small bird, in seal skin, burying it for several months, and then eating the decomposed flesh. Yeah, true. Okay, you got it. I, I mean, yes. I, know, I know you don't like Brussels sprouts, but I think this would be worse, right? I don't know, would it? <laughs> not, not, you know, it's, it's hard to beat Brussels sprouts. I think they're Oh, they're very, so good. Uh, What's wrong with terrible. you? What's they're terrible. They're terrible. Brussels sprouts are the worst. Incorrect. Incorrect. True, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number seven. In Guatemala, it is said that the devil and other evil spirits live in the dark, dirty corners of your home. So before Christmas, people collect all their rubbish, pile it in a huge heap, and burn it with an effigy of the devil on top. True. Yes, you got it. Yeah. It's called burning of the devil. Um, and the meaning is like to start a new year from the ashes. Oh, that's amazing. You know, hmm. talking of burning, um, so there is this village in the UK and I cannot remember its name now, but they're well known for like burning things, you know, just before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And they, they've kind of burned, you know, the statue of Margaret Thatcher sort of five <laughs> times and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's it, not your normal burning, uh, or it is probably. Um, and so this year, apparently, they've decided to burn Microsoft Teams, <laughs> which I, <laughs> I absolutely second. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Sorry. Microsoft yeah, Teams. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Question eight. In addition to the standard tinsel, fairy lights, and baubles, Ukrainians decorate their trees with a unique kind of moss that grows in long fuzzy vines. False. Oh, you got it. It is false. So what they actually do in Ukraine is they throw artificial spiders and webs on the trees. And Apparently, it's the tradition is linked to an old tale of a poor woman who couldn't afford to decorate the tree and woke on Christmas Aww. morning to discover a spider had covered it in a sparkling web. Oh, that'll look quite pretty, huh? Yeah. 
Um, I can't believe you you found my my um, my false answers. Oh my goodness! I need to do better. <laughs> okay, number nine. During Consoda, the traditional Christmas feast in Portugal, families sometimes set extra places at the dining table for relatives that have passed away. True. Very good. Very good. Number 10. In the Czech Republic on Christmas Eve, unmarried Czech women stand at the, with their back to the door and toss one of their shoes over the shoulder. If it lands with the toe facing the door, it means they'll get married within the year. True. Yes, it is true. Because we do that in Russia as well. Do you? Okay. Yeah, we so do. <laughs> but it's usually um, it's before, before, yeah, before Christmas, that's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, number 11. Um... I'm one answer away from my cranberries. I know, right? Mm -hmm. On the evening of 5th December, Italian children leave a boot or a shoe outside the bedroom door. In the morning, if they've been good, they'll wake to find the shoes filled with sweets. If they haven't, they'll only find a branch. Yeah, true. <gasps> I gotcha. It's actually a German Oh, it's tradition. Dutch children, yeah, isn't it? Dutch yeah, in, oh, yeah, in German. no. Gotcha. I've done the classic student, didn't treat the exam question properly. Uh, okay, okay this is, you're you're right on the edge. You know you've got one match point. Match okay. point, yeah. Okay, here it goes. Number twelve. So far, you have nine out of eleven. The small town of La Fonte de la Figuera on New Year's Eve um, hosts. Oh, sorry, it's in Spain. Okay. Okay. <laughs> on New Year's Eve. La Font de la Figuera hosts a run with the runners wearing only red underwear. True. <laughs> oh, yes. You Better be sure. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. That, that was, you know, um, a really kind of worrying moment in my life. <laughs> oh, this is great. Wow. This is an amazing Christmas. Quiz. You did it! You did it! You Fantastic. won! You won the quiz! Da, 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 da. I'm so glad because otherwise I'd be like sulking now. You know, I'm I'm absolutely terrible at losing. Okay, so since um, you've given me quiz, I'm gonna give you another present, right? Okay. So what I've prepared for you. Um, and I, I think it is literally the best present ever okay. <laughs> for for me, probably, and for you. Go on. Um, uh, right. So I couldn't not mention Galeano, uh -huh. right? Of I have to mention Galeano. So if you tell me any date, like absolutely any date, day and month, yes. I will read you a piece by Galeano that is um, related to that date. Okay. So... Tell me any date that you want. And um, the let's do my birthday. 19, 19th February. 19th of February. Yeah, I know your birthday. Okay. So 19th of February. Perhaps this is how Horatio Quiroga would have written about his own death. Today I died. In the year 1937, I learned that I had a cancer that was untreatable. I knew that death, after me always, had caught up with me. I confronted death face to face, and I told him, this war is over. I said, you win. I said, but when is my choice? And, and before death killed me, I killed myself. 
Happy birthday, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's try another date. Okay. Go. Um, <clears throat> let's go, like, 1st of January. Okay, 1st of January. Hold on. 1st of January is called today. Today is not the first day of the year for the Mayas, the Jews, the Arabs, the Chinese, or many other inhabitants of this world. The date was chosen by Rome, Imperial Rome, and blessed by Vatican Rome, and it would be an ov- overstatement to say that all humanity celebrates today as the crossing from one year to the next. That said, today we ought to acknowledge that time treats us rather kindly. Time allows us, its fleeting passengers, to believe that this day could be the very first day and it gives us leave to want today to be as bright, as joyous as the colors of an outdoor market. Nice. Can I read the 21st of December since we're talking about Christmas? Go on. It's called Voyage of the Sun. Jesus couldn't celebrate his birthday because he had no birthday. In the year 354, the Christians of Rome decided that he had been born on December 25th. That was the day the pagans of the north of the world celebrated the passing of the longest night of the year and the arrival of the sun god who came to end the darkness. The sun god came to Rome from Persia. He had been called Mitra. Then he was called Jesus. And so this is from Galeano's book that I literally Mm. just got yesterday and it's called A Calendar of Human History, Children of the Days. And so there is a short story for every single day in the year. So cool. And I love it so much. Well, I have some jokes. Do we do we want to finish the episode with some Brilliant. jokes? Brilliant. Yes. I just so, have two I have two jokes and Are they funny? Um <laughs> Uh well, they're appropriate for 2020. Right, cool. You ready? Oh. Okay. Why has production been down at Santa's workshop this year? Why has production been down at Santa's workshop this year? Many of his workers have had to elf isolate. <laughs> Uh-huh, right? Okay. Sure. You like it? I love it, yeah. Okay. My other joke. Why couldn't Mary and Joseph join in on the conference call? Why couldn't Mary and Joseph join on the conference call? Because there was no Zoom at the inn. It's <laughs> <laughs> so bad, isn't it? This is, so ter- <sighs> this is terrible. I know this that is, was that was the worst. I mean, the the good thing about not going out for Christmas this year is that I will have a minimum exposure to Christmas cracker jokes. Yeah, I mean they're great, really. Um, okay, but you know, just to to finish off, um, have you heard about like that competition when all the natural hazards took a vote? To is this a joke? The worst. <laughs> I was like, uh, is this a question or a joke? Okay, no, no, I, I haven't heard about that. Yeah, it's a question, no? Well, so the boat went. So hurricanes <laughs> yeah. blew the uh-huh. others away. Earthquake uh-huh. shook things up pretty badly. <laughs> Flooding was a okay. bit of a wash. Blizzard uh-huh. almost buried the rest. Sinkhole's campaign <laughs> totally collapsed. Meteor mm-hmm. made a deep impact. But in the end, Avalanche oh, won by a landslide. So good. <laughs> oh, so bad. 
<sighs> well, on this happy note, what are the resolutions this year? What what are the wishes, mm. I suppose, not resolutions? Um uh are we are we setting each other's resolutions or wishes yeah 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 <laughs> something achievable <laughs> i mean for, well first of all you haven't achieved yours fully from last year so that one still stands right Neither have you, so we yeah, we're gonna just, carry them out. We're just carrying well, them we can, over. <laughs> we can carry them oh, over. We should probably have some new ones as well, though. I want you to yeah um, experience some more <laughs> like Western treats because you've been so like deprived in your <laughs> childhood of all the de delicacies <laughs> like Rolos. Wow. Okay, that is some imperialist agenda, know. you know, right there. And then um, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Um, okay, I I shall fulfill <laughs> your wish. <laughs> Quasi imperialist. It was a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit. Um, I wish for you. To be able to switch off and have weekends oh, without work. Thank you. <laughs> Not achievable. No, like you know. <laughs> that, that is something that you do much better than I do, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. I think it is achievable. I need to figure out how. Fantastic. We've got a plan for 2020. So, have an amazing, restful holiday. Thank you all so much for listening. And for supporting us. Yeah, it's been a lovely year and um, we do appreciate everyone who follows and listens to the podcast and engages with us on Twitter and everywhere else. And um, we can't wait for the new year. And our first episode of season four will be out on the 4th of January. So don't miss it. See you in 2021.